My name is Siham Yatim. I am a young uh, Bahraini graduate, postgraduate, um, and I am currently an HR director. I have completed my master's degree with the Fulbright Scholarship in Community Development and Action, but I also have a bachelor's in interior design. Um, and my interests are cultural relations and competency, um, utilizing arts within the realm of community and cultural development, and um, generally international um, understanding towards uh, utilizing arts within uh, connecting, let's say, cultures. That's really wonderful, and we're very honored to have you here today. Um, it's an honor to be here. Oh, thank you so much. And yeah, I'd like to get started with, you know, how you got into that field and what made you passionate about it? Well, that's an interesting question. So um, I have always loved the arts in, in all of mm -hmm. its forms ever since I was a little kid. Um, my mom I would always- I can see some art behind you. Yeah, uh, actually, uh, these are art pieces that um, uh, I've worked on alongside with uh, my mom. My mom actually, oh, wow. uh, my mom actually paints too, and my sister. It, it probably runs in the family. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so um, we. She has always. Um, uh, at, at least I was surrounded within a family uh, that firmly believes to. Um, hone and sort of capitalize on our creative talents. Um, so mm -hmm. she would always get me those uh, creative uh, toys and um, art supplies and get me in these uh, competitions of uh, drawing and painting and stuff like that. Um, so we were always sort of kept in a platform of utilizing our creativity um, and to producing art. Um, and over time, I also found the interest of all sorts of arts like installations, um, music, uh, movies, books, and also dancing. Uh, later on within life, I uh, started learning uh, the art of movement, basically, mm -hmm. um, and I teach it too. So it was a very interesting, basically, conception of I was born into the love of arts um, and I wanted to study fine arts um, in my um, degree. But within a community, they would usually tell you that arts doesn't necessarily, you know, um, in, in Bahraini, they say, my akil khubiz. Um, so, you know, you would go with something that's more conformed into the society of. Uh, take a job that actually pays you something and that sort yeah. of thing. Um, but um, I was also, my family were uh, very much into not losing that talent. Um, so I got the uh, Ministry of Education scholarship into studying interior design, um, which was sort of a mix of, you know, a job career level of doing arts basically. Yeah. Um, and then within that period of time, I was involved in a lot of extracurricular activities, a lot of them that had to do with um, community development projects, 
Um, we've worked with SDGs, um, mm -hmm. the Sustainable Development Goals of the United Nations uh, within those projects. Um, and these aspects have also uh, allowed me to deal with um, internationals. We had a lot of interns that we used to bring into Bahrain. Um, and I found so much interest in, uh, first of all, presenting the gem that Bahrain is, uh, that we don't get to see even as uh, locals being a part of it on a daily basis. And also um, the ambassadorship that comes with being that cultural face to people that have never experienced or heard about your culture before. Um, and it takes so much, it takes just a simple step that does so much into uh, creating cultural relations between people. Um, and that has pushed me into uh, realizing that I have such a passion towards community development, um, which is where I sort of directed my master's uh, degree towards. And I was uh, thankful to actually be part of the Fulbright Scholarship, which is a cultural ambassadorship program also, right. um, because yeah. you're sort of representing the country abroad. Um, mm -hmm. And it was a wonderful experience to be able to stand and represent Bahrain whilst also studying something that would bring in that talent of uniting um, cultures in the essence of building communities at the same time, sort of bridging them. So yeah, Great. that's briefly it. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's amazing. And you know, while we're on the topic, I have a question for you because um, I've actually watched um, some of your videos, <laughs> and I've come across one in which you talked about cultural diversity, and you said um, that it would not, and I think it had to do with internships as well. Um, you know, and you said that it would not only break stereotypes, but it would also introduce a cross-cultural understanding. Could you talk about why that is important and really just fill us in and everything you know about it? Of course, not everything, but you know, you get the point about, you know, about it based on your experiences. About internships? Just to get like, get the, could you repeat the question again? Yes, no problem. So I would yeah. like you to talk about, you know, the importance of um, cross-cultural understanding and, you know, okay. what you know about it basically. Okay, um, so one thing is that we live in a world that's very much globalized. At this point, mm -hmm. you can find bits and pieces of every culture in um, every sort of environment that you're a part of. Um, you could be in Bahrain and have mm -hmm. an entire culture that is um, completely, let's say, Serbian, let's say. Um, or you could be, you know, at one point of the world and have a culture that is completely different because uh, not only do people uh, migrate, uh, but we also have a sharing of um, resources, a sharing of cultural artifacts and a sharing of uh, many other things that create the sort of globalized world that we live in. So it's very hard to just be cocooned within the bubble of only your culture because you would at mm -hmm. any point of time get to um, experience or interact with another culture plus a lot of cultures are based on the uh, amalgamation of 
many cultures, basically. Um, but when it comes to cross-cultural understanding, I think it's more towards uh, being able to have this um, persona or the sort of character uh, that comes with respect, that comes with mm. comprehension and um, empathy and some sort of emotional intelligence towards being able to understand differences and accept them. Um, and even within that, to look into the similarities basically that you would also find within cultures. So we can't expect that all cultures are to be exactly the same. And there's so mm -hmm. much beauty that comes with uh, differences within cultures. That's what makes each culture unique within itself basically. Mm -hmm. Um, and to have this sort of understanding is uh, element of empathy. It's also an element um, of emotional intelligence. Um, and it's an element towards creating this harmonious uh, unity that would allow uh, people to coexist within a certain space um, to accept differences and embrace similarities within that too. Okay, um, and I think that actually answers my second question I have for you, but if you would like to add anything else, you can go ahead. Um, and yeah, so my second question for you is, do you think there is anything we, can, we as a people can do to avoid as much as possible stereotypical incidences if you think they still happen and enable us to grow into a more loving and welcoming community? That's a very good question, actually, because um, one thing that I realized out of my experience of working with uh, a lot mm -hmm. of internationals or even traveling abroad um, is that we would always stereotype, even the people that assume that they don't, we would do it whether directly or indirectly. Um, and it's, it's sort of human nature um, that we have this sort of preference or or I wouldn't say segregation, but um, that you would label things as a human um, just to sort of create the sort of folder aspect of understanding characteristics and therefore putting it or boxing it under a label and therefore stereotyping it basically. It makes, it helps, it sort of assists us in understanding our surroundings. Um, mm -hmm. So, there isn't anything to necessarily blame in terms of when stereotyping, but the culture that um, one grows in, or even the platform or environment that one grows in, uh, makes a big difference on how that stereotypes come to play. Um, it basically starts off with the slightest of thing of being things of being able to understand that one thing the one thing that is pointed about when stereotyping someone would not necessarily be something bad and therefore the person wouldn't take it as an insult per se mm -hmm. um but you would understand that they're not necessarily known for that and therefore you would approach it in a manner of these people are more considered uh, I would take an example of I, I would take an example of myself because I wouldn't want to sort of okay. uh, do any sort of stereotype on anyone uh, yeah. but for example 
uh, in Bahrain, we see it a lot that people that are Bahrainis um, yet speak English uh, most of the time are considered chicken nuggets, which I was uh, stereotyped as uh, a kid a lot. Um, and uh, we have recently seen in, um, I believe one of the news um, in Bahrain, they have had um, this sort of um, talk with um, the community in regards to um, what do you think about chicken nuggets and all of that? And is it causing a havoc to um, our culture? Are we losing our culture in, in the midst of all of that? Um, now, taking it from another perspective is that why aren't we understanding how are we embracing the concept of this difference that's happening? So stereotypes also happen because of differences from one's culture, and then they would be sort of labeled as that. Um, so embracing the positive elements that come within that allows us to sort of understand that we can't judge people by external factors or by the general public's opinion towards that, but rather understand it based on experiences and your experience alone does not determine the entire population's uh, right. character, basically. Uh, so we wouldn't necessarily, I mean, it's easy to label, for example, kids that talk English, but they are born from Arab descendants as chicken nuggets. Um, but that just allows people to understand what they're talking about. As in when I say, oh, this chicken nugget, I wouldn't have to say, oh, this Arabic person that speaks English a lot. It's shorter, um, but there's also an, uh, a negative connotation that comes with stereotypes. Um, so it's, it's more about, I would say, an embrace towards understanding between people and to sort of, um, we, we base it off as a joke. And as, mm -hmm. as within the region, we are known for creating humor out of, a lot of or anything and that's why memes exist in this day and age um but these jokes also have this sort of hidden you know touch of truth to some people that we forget and i think it's about understanding or keeping in mind that these people there are people that exist out there um that would be affected by it and this understanding that comes mm -hmm. with empathy that would sort of surpass the concept of stereotypes. Yeah, that's a brilliant answer. Thank you. So um, moving on, I'd like to ask you next about, you know, one of your experiences that I come to know. Um, so you worked as the youth engagement operations manager at the Oasis Center, I believe. Is that is that true? Okay. Yes. Um, yeah. Do you want to go up? Do you want to say about you know what you've what your role was and how you've kind of engaged with the youth? Sure. Uh, so that was an experience that I had when I was completing my master's at the city that I was at. Um, the beautiful thing about the Oasis Center is that they were uh, primarily targeting uh, youth from all segments within society. Um, mm -hmm. So they dealt a lot with at-risk youth 
primarily. Um, and at-risk youths are basically um, the youth that are more prone into, um, into uh, let's say, criminal environments, um, either because um, their families have sort of been within uh, problematic situations or they live in neighborhoods that are not necessarily safe. Um, and they basically create these sort of uh, sessions and platforms and also experiences that allow these kids to become part of the community in ways that are um, helpful towards them. And at-risk youth are also people are also kids that have uh, been to jail, for example, or have experienced mm -hmm. traumatic um, situations. And these sort of platforms allow them to be part of the community and realize that um, they are contributors to the society that they're in. So as a youth engagement officer, um, I had the responsibility in um, towards um, assessing and executing the programs that we had for mm -hmm. the youth at that time. Um, we had sessions that um, had the youth work on creating bicycles, scooters, and all those sort of um, transport, transportation um, items um, for uh, the poor uh, within their area. And they would basically um, learn the techniques towards uh, the mechanic of using uh those things and actually be able to create and make something out of it um we also had um a program that basically focused on uh these youth creating art pieces and artworks um that were uh, presented out to the community that we were in mm -hmm. um, and they created exhibitions for them. And another project was um, that we were given a mural, um, like a, basically a long wall area uh, within the city where these youths were able to sort of put their art on these walls. Um, and it was to present basically uh, youth development for the city or positive youth development towards the city. Um, it's a great program. It utilizes the talents of these youth and engages them in uh, positive spaces to um, create a safe learning environment for these kids uh, that they may have not, you know, gotten a chance to experience for free. I think that's, um, you know, you've done a wonderful thing being a part of that organization. And, you know, I think the whole point of it is also pretty, um, you know, helpful to those children that have, you know, may have gone through um, a traumatic experience per se. And, and you've given them kind of a chance to, you know, believe in themselves and believe that they still can do good and still have good within them and their community. Um, so, yeah, and you've interacted with youth, if I'm not wrong, globally. Um, and you're also pretty young yourself. What would you say is the biggest problem for us today? As youth, you mean? 
or in the world? Hmm, youth, I mean, in general. Or you could talk that's about some of your problems you're facing personally as well. Uh, that's a very critical question, I would say, because um, I know that a lot of um, a lot of research has been done and a lot of statistics are actually out there um, that uh, describe the challenges that youth currently face. And I know recently there was a statistic that was published in regards to um, the issues that Arab youth have mentioned to face uh, mostly. And a lot. I know that a lot of it was based on um, traumatic experiences that they've had um, from let's say the uh, experiences that they have basically within their countries um, and I know that um, a lot of youth are basically if you would ask a lot of the youth of today would consider that climate change is one of uh, the toughest um, issues that we currently have um, inclusion and equality, um, they would also say is one of the toughest. Uh, if I were to speak based on my experience and current position of work, I would say that one thing that the youth struggle with the most is being able to find the right fit of a job or create the right fit of a job towards uh, what they are talented in. And that's why you find the levels of unemployment within youth to be challenging, not only within uh, Bahrain or the region, but generally around the world. Yet the youth are one of the most uh, diligent and the most dynamic in trying mm -hmm. to um, find these opportunities and even uh, break through barriers that uh, would necessarily be there. Um, they create their own opportunities, but I feel like uh, the platforms that are available to sort of cater to the diversity of talents that are out there um, is, is um, it could be missing. It could also not uh, necessarily be right there or it would need tweaking, I would say. So, um, in my opinion, this is just one of the many uh, issues that youth would might be facing at this moment of time. So, yeah. Right, and you know, going over the last point you had about you know the challenges youth is facing, I think um, one of our key goals at Youth Wave Mina is to really help um, youth all over across Mina. I mean, um, kind of identify what they want to do. And even if they are not able to do that, at least have the experience or try out things um, that you know they want to try. And we think it's only it's only a good thing, you know, to have them have a fair chance at what they want to do. And then maybe if they come up to a realization later that it's not the right thing, at least they tried. And I think um, that also comes into play when you hear a lot of successful people, you know, say, "Well, we never knew unless we tried." You know, we've made a lot of failures. We've gone through these many things, but we've reached here. And we, if we, if platforms, um, especially youth organizations, if we can kind of allow them 
to feel safe, feel happy about it, feel okay to make mistakes, feel okay to have the experience, not pressure them um, while they're having this, you know, adventure. That can give us a more positive outcome. That is what I believe. I, I definitely agree with that. I, I believe that the chance it we miss mm. the chances that we don't take, um, and those are essentially uh, points of growth that could happen within mm -hmm. experiences that we may have not um, known of unless we actually tried. Right. Yeah. And yeah. So. There, this is something you've also mentioned to me um, that you would like to talk about, and it was on quality education. What what do you have to say about, you know, what are your views on quality education and what do you have to say about the present compared to the past? And how do you see the future of education? That's a very good question. So um, I would base it off uh, on Bahrain as a start and then mm -hmm. uh, grow forward with it. Uh, because I have uh, experienced it hands-on yeah. um, and then look into what could come along. Uh, we have come a distance, I would say, in terms of uh, the way we uh, approach education. A lot of uh, the schools are embracing the smart education and you'd find a lot of tech utilized. And especially nowadays, mm -hmm. Um, everything sort of moved digitally. Um, so we are embracing it pace by pace. But now if we look into more of a academic context, context mm -hmm. uh, we still have, I would say, a lot to go forward with um, only because, for example, we do have a handful of universities in Bahrain and a lot of them are uh, very well-based, um, mm -hmm. yet we have the same degrees available in all these universities. There isn't a variety of degrees available within this sort of space. And then um, a lot of these uh, kids or students that would want to have more creative uh, degrees would end up traveling abroad to be able to get these opportunities and then that they and then when they get to realize that their the external countries embrace these talents or these creative um, learnings that they would want to sort mm -hmm. of take forward they would end up staying in these external I mean uh, abroad um, and then we end up saying, why don't we have, you know, people who are creative enough to sort of start something that is out of this world, like, I don't know, someone who studied rocket science, and we have a Bahraini rocket scientist, for example. Uh, but we don't have that platform of at least starting to learn it, uh, to open up opportunities within it. So how would we go forward with that, for example? Um, and that's something that I feel like, for example, vocational advising is not a prominent thing here. And even if it was, um, it's not done in a manner that sort of uh, embraces all talents and goes forward with it. Uh, it's more of a very conformed aspect of, oh, go end up studying business or, you know, engineering, which is not to say um, 
anything bad of it. Um, not to mm -hmm. say it's also a generic degree, uh, but there is a lot of talent within every single person. Um, and they could be utilizing their talents into platforms or studies or jobs that are much more creative mm -hmm. than, you know, just the typical marketeer, for example. Um, and they can do a lot more with it. So I feel like there are, of course, a lot of these initiatives like Mashru'i or Injaz or things like that that push for creativity. But I feel like being able to learn and study is adds a lot more basically to it than just um, having, for example, a project that they do and all of that. So that's what I look into when it comes to quality education. Um, it's the approach towards educating oneself and having the platform to be able to hone every single kind of talent out there rather than standardizing everything and mm -hmm. um, and and uh, banning creative concepts, let's say. Right, and that's an excellent point you made there. Um, so unfortunately, we have to end this, uh, end this interview real soon, but I really yeah. enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. And you're, you're an amazing speaker and you've mentioned so many Thank great you. things that our audience can, you know, learn from and be inspired. You're, you're a wonderful human being yourself. <laughs> Thank you so much. Um, so I think the last question I'd have for you is, what is your advice for youth? Wow, that feels like a very, <laughs> a very uh, big responsibility. <laughs> um, I one thing that I would definitely say, if I had to just say one thing, um, is don't ever let anyone don't don't ever let anyone um, hinder or. Um, put out that spark or that sparkle mm -hmm. within you um, and always, always strive for what you're passionate for. Um, you will always find something good out of it um, as long as it's good. Um, but I, I would definitely say that whatever it is that you're talented in, you can definitely make something out of it. And you can uh, definitely basically go forward with um, creating a masterpiece, not to necessarily say art, but to create something amazing uh, that comes with it that would not only benefit yourself, but it will benefit the whole community and one day maybe the world. It's just that those opportunities or those talented, that those talents that we don't tap into within us and sort of end up conforming to society for um, are huge missed opportunities that could end up being something amazing one day. So I would definitely say strive towards what you're passionate for um, and don't let go of what you're talented in. Thank you so much. I think that was a beautiful thing we've ended this conversation with. And I hope, you. Um, you know, the youth out there that will be listening to this will, you know, to take that advice very seriously and, you know, believe in themselves more and their, what they're passionate about. Thank you so much, Mr. Home. And I hope you've had a wonderful time.
Thank you. It was a pleasure. Thank you so much, Amaima, for having this. And I really hope that there a lot of um, youth platforms basically grow out of this. And, and I would definitely like to uh, thank the Manama Hub to have allowed me to get this opportunity. Um, the Global Shapers is a great platform also for youth, and we have the honor of collaborating with you in this. Definitely. So thank you so much. And, you know, I'll, you. I hope we can stay in touch later as well. Likewise, likewise. Thank you. Thank you. Have a wonderful evening. You too.